Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Today on the podcast, we have a return guest, someone RSP members know very well, RSP Legal Counsel, Jill Miller. Hey, welcome back, Jill. Always good to see you. Hi, thank you for having me back. Good no, to see always you. great to see you. Always looking forward to your advice. And uh, so, for those who don't know Jill, she served as RSP Legal Counsel since 2020, providing advice to all members, but especially VARs and ISVs. And that advice is available at no extra charge to RSP members through phone calls, emails, video chats, and in person meetings at RSPA events. Uh, Jill's been engaged in our industry for several years, counseling clients on data privacy, cybersecurity, card processing, mobile payments, ACH, electronic fund transfers and more. So, Jill, we're going to have an open uh, conversation here uh, today, and I'm just curious about what things you've been hearing, what advice you'd want to give. So, let's start with what's the first topic you want to discuss today? What do you think is most important for our listeners and viewers to hear? Okay, great. So, the best part about doing this podcast is that it's so easy to prepare for because so many of our members have been asking me questions, and so I just simply go back to uh, you know, in my thought process about the things we've been talking about and the big one, which really through my 17 years of being in um, our industry, industry representing entrepreneurs, um, it's non-solicitation. And the question really is, what is, what am I prohibited from doing in my agreement with regard to non-solicitation? And I say there's three buckets. There's non-solicitation for employees. There's non-solicitation for the, if you are the reseller of another, of another party's products, non-solicitation of any of uh, their vendors or um, entering into agreement with any of their vendors, which I think is a big, mm -mm -mm, we got to not agree to that. <laughs> and then finally is a non-solicitation about merchants or customers. And so I'm just going to quickly highlight the things that I think that a, a member of the RSPA should look at when they get an agreement from another party. Number one is when it comes to the merchants that you bring to the table. In our industry, it has historically been that once you place a merchant with a processor, with a, with a uh, seller or a manufacturer of hardware or software, that you can't move that merchant. And that's usually defined in the agreement as a capital M merchant. I guess they should have two quotes, <laughs> not one. Capital M merchant. And what that definition typically says is any merchant that reseller refers to the partner, the other party to the agreement. And then there's what we call the small M merchant. And that means any other merchants of that particular partner. And so it's, in my opinion, it's really important to be sure, to be certain that you are only limited to not soliciting merchants you bring to the table um, and not those other customers of that particular supplier. So again, the concept is you typically it's it's um, industry standard for us to be limited in soliciting merchants we bring to the table, 
which is the capital M merchant, but the small M merchant, we shouldn't be prohibited from, from being able to uh, solicit and um, enter into and bring to the table a, a merchant that's already processing with that particular or already doing business with that particular um, partner. So that's a really important item that may oftentimes get overlooked. And, and why do you say that? Like, why is it OK for the big M and not the small M? Is it because the big M is more like really limited, but small M just, you know, kind of cuts you off from, you know, really selling? It seems like it would handcuff you. Is that the understanding? Yeah, I mean, just because you enter into a partnership with partner X doesn't mean you should be precluded from soliciting all of their other customers. You don't know them. It really limits your uh, territory, your scope. I mean, you could go into a merchant location and sit down and order lunch and have a cup of coffee um, or an all or, or what is it? Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Arnold Palmer. Oh, yeah. Yes. And um, and have your lunch. And at the end, they bring out the statement and it has partner X's name on it. And you've just wasted your time. And and that that particular merchant wouldn't even be sitting down with you if they weren't interested potentially in moving anyway. And so you might be even saving your partner's merchant. Um, and so by them prohibiting you from entering into and soliciting any of their other merchants, I think it limits that partner's um, ability to retain merchants because not every merchant loves every salesperson. It's just the nature of our business and our uh, the lives we live, right? Um, and so that's why I think that's so important and something to really spend some time thinking about when you're looking at an agreement. Great. And for a side note for our listeners who don't know, an Arnold Palmer is a half iced tea, half lemonade, just to just to be clear. Um, and then so that's the definition of an Arnold Palmer. Um, is it also the definition of a customer? Like just because that vendor, that, you know, provider worked with that merchant, small M merchant 10 years ago, that could technically be a customer, right? Because it could be former, but they have them on the customer role. It seems like it's almost too broad of a definition to, it is. Uh, to wrap your arms around. It really is. And I mean, it's a free marketplace and merchants and customers are going to choose to do business with people with whom they feel comfortable. And so um, I don't think that we're asking for too much when we ask a provider to not limit it to just the merchants we bring to, a ta to the table. And while we're on that point, I think it should be, in my opinion, during the term of the agreement and for some short period of time thereafter. Okay. Um, that you should be prohibited from soliciting. We don't want to agree to five or 10 years unless um, it's in a purchase agreement. Um, but in a regular just um, reseller agreement, it should be a short period of uh, limitation. And what do you consider a short period? Like what's that range? You said not five or 10 years, but is it I quarters or months? I think one to two or? is reasonable. Okay. okay. I think one to two is reasonable. I mean, I would always try first to probably say zero <laughs> uh, just during the term. But, you know, in all negotiations, we all have to give and take a bit. Got it. And is that also part of it as well when because I just, you know, have uh, been traveling uh, quite a bit the last uh, couple of weeks before we hit record. This is like the first time I've sat down in my office in, in quite a while, Jill. <laughs> but a lot of times that's what folks are talking about is they get this agreement and they almost feel like they're in a take it or leave it scenario. What you're saying is there should be some pushback. You should review it, have your attorney review it, right? And walking through and say, okay, what's more advantageous for me? And at least push back. It's not a take it or leave it scenario. Is that correct? 
That's correct. And I think a lot of, um, in my experience, I have found that most of the providers, partners are willing to take some reasonable edits and modifications in an agreement. And if we don't ask, we're not going to get. Got it. Yeah. And is it also a good indicator if they're not going to be reasonable up front that maybe this isn't going to be the greatest relationship in the world if it's going to be I a heavy handed so. situation? I think so, because as you might expect, most agreements are whomever is the drafter drafts them for their benefits and um, and hopes that, you know, resellers are just going to sign and move forward. But it's critical to review and read. And, you know, again, we're not asking for the world. Um, we're just asking for a fair relationship. We are bringing customers to you. You should want to do business with us. Great. Jill, I have a few more questions for you. We're going to pause here to let our listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or more affordable. Annual memberships for VARS start at just $250 a year for dozens of high-value services, including a college scholarship program for the families of RSP members, an exclusive e-learning program through RSP Academy Accelerate, partner connections, and also access to a security advisor, a VAR and ISV business advisor, and a legal advisor. Uh, named Jill Miller. Uh, vendors and software developers can benefit from an RSP membership as well through introductions to VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions through the exclusive RSPA Solutions Center. Accelerate your success today by joining the RSPA. Also, we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Brother, CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership, or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, so uh, Jill, is there anything more you wanted to add about the merchant non-solicitations or did you want to expand uh, on employees or resellers or, or talk about a different subject? I'm just going to quickly say something about the employees. Um, tip, a typical provision you would see in agreement is that during the term of the agreement, you're not going to solicit the other party's employees. I think that's fine. I think the we should maybe have a carve out that says, unless they contact you through a general advertisement. Um, so that's an easy one. And usually that's just during the term of the agreement. The other one that's important is that they don't try to prohibit you from entering into agreement with any of their vendors. Um, you know, some uh, in my um, road through this industry, people start off small, and then they start getting bigger, and then they can make their own direct relationships. And and you're going to meet them at the RSPA, uh, at the Retail Now, at Inspire. And so you shouldn't be prohibited from entering into agreement with someone that you're going to meet on your own. It's not as though the vendors in the marketplace are hidden behind some closed door Um and so I think that's important to be able to uh, enter into an agreement directly with any vendor with, with which you make your own relationship and not be prohibited from doing that in an agreement. So those are my non-solicitation items. Well, and let me ask you then, then, because one of the things that you provide is not just legal advice, like here's what the book says, but you provide business advice. So I'll ask you this, if somebody has, and you talked, you know, from an employee where they reach out to you, if you have the employee of a partner who reaches out to you and says, I saw your ad, I saw your LinkedIn post, and I'm interested in that position, how do you think you know the the recipient should should handle that in terms of what's the best way to and most appropriate from a business standpoint a legal standpoint uh, to uh, to to follow that path? Well, that brings to mind that as a uh, company that's hiring employees, one thing I not just the agreement that I have with my 
uh, providers, but what does that employee have? What does that employee have with its current employer that may prohibit them from entering into an agreement with a competing company? Mm-hmm. So that's really something to consider. If you, if it's um, again, you should know your agreement. You should know that it should say, you know, unless if somebody contacts you through, you know, you not specifically reaching out, but through a direct um, through a, a general advertisement, I think you're clear. But if it's a third party in our industry who has an agreement with another party, you might want to look at that to make sure that you're not bringing someone on who is violating, um, you know, one of their obligations underneath their employment agreement. Yeah, many but inter- many yeah. people don't have them. Sorry, Jim. I was going to say many yeah. people don't have them, but right. a good number do. Right. They're less common today, but yes. they do they do happen. And when you run into one of those, they can be incredibly tricky because they get enforced and the employer yes. uh, definitely wants to enforce. And that's why I always recommend that folks have a, a thorough interview process. Right. And they have specific questions I always ask. And one of the ones early on is, do you have a non-compete, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that? Because that could that could shut the whole thing down. Better to find that out sooner rather than later. I will say, Jill, I had somebody one time who reached out to me and said, hey, can you tell me, this is back when I was working in the magazine industry, what's the range of what your editors get paid? Because I'm looking to hire somebody from a PR standpoint, gave them the information, kind of talked it through. And then a few weeks later, one of her editors said, yeah, I'm going to work for so-and-so. I'm like, how did that happen? Oh, they reached out. And I had to call the person up and be like, hey, like, you know, you reached out to me for some information and then you go and like scoop somebody up from my organization. Like it'd be different if they came and applied to you and yes. like how are things going to go? And they're like, oh, it's a free country. I'm like, it is. And it's also for free for me to be not happy about it and not want to steer people towards you in the future. Like right. it just seems like and that's a tough thing. Like everybody in this industry knows each other, but there's like a, a polite way to do it. There's a business appropriate way uh, to do it. I think that's right. I mean, our reputation and our integrity is really what defines us. Right. And so if you're out there in the marketplace, you should be doing so with an understanding of what your obligations are. But you should be able to also, you know, go out and search for a job and be able to support your life and your family. Or if you're single, your travel and leisurely fun activities. Mm-hmm. Do I sound like I'm longing to be traveling? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for that advice. Uh, anything else you'd want to share uh, with our audience at any other topics you want to discuss? Um, if we have a quick minute, I'm just going to quickly yeah. talk about disputes. Um, you know, I've talked about them before and I just find that they're, you know, unfortunately, in the business of law, disputes are always something that's coming up. And I'll just quickly highlight this. I am um, in favor of settling disputes outside of the legal um, system, outside of uh, arbitration, outside mm-hmm. of litigation in a court hearing. And the reason is, is because it's very expensive. I feel like it's not a good use of clients' money. And it's an, emo- it's an emotional drag um, on you. And so, but there are times when it's inevitable and you have no choice. However, um, my advice in the way I steer my clients is to number one, try to work it out with the other party, figure out, and each party is gonna be a loser, right? Anytime there's a dispute, you're gonna have to give something up, something that you don't feel that you're obligated to give up. But you should keep in mind, well, maybe, you know, it might be $25,000 just even start this lawsuit. So keep that in mind. Secondly, I would say you need to look at your agreement and see if there is a dispute resolution provision um, that can tell you exactly what you have to do to resolve the dispute with the other party. I would look at 
uh, choice of law and jurisdiction, which is where the suit would be litigated if the if it came to that. And then finally, I would look at the attorney's fee provision. Many times there is a provision in agreements that say if you uh, are the party that's been deemed to be uh, back, lack of a better word, the winner, mm-hmm. you w- will be entitled to attorney's fees. And so those things can help you in your negotiation without actually having, you know, to do the litigation. So again, keep in mind, you're going to have to give something up, even if it's wrong. I, you know, I feel so sad for some companies when they have to give something up and they've done nothing wrong, but you've got a dispute mm-hmm. that the other party sees it a certain way. Um, so you're going to have to give something up. You're going to have to it's a hard thing. Take your ego out of it a little mm-hmm. bit. And then finally, you need to enter into an agreement um, that documents what the settlement covers so nobody can come back later on and um, re-raise an issue that's already been yep. uh, agreed to and settled. And we have uh, a settlement agreement form on the RSPA website that can, uh, our members can go out and um, use as a starting point for trying to document a settlement. Uh, And that's a perfect segue into closing out this podcast, because one thing I wanted to share with you, Jill, is, and just so everybody knows, Jill and I have a weekly meeting, um, you know, reconnect and sync up on RSP issues. This is the podcast substituting our weekly uh, meeting. We're doing at the the exact same time because, but we haven't connected in a while since I've been uh, traveling. But I had a reseller member come up to me and I asked, how are things going for your business? And he said, I just want to let you know. I was working with a new vendor. They sent me this new contract and I was like, this seems like it's not in my favor. And he said he reached out to you and got some guidance. He pointed him towards some of the templates on the RSP website, which again are free for all our members. Went back with those templates and said, I would prefer these agreements. And they said, okay. And so he feels a lot better and he was very uh, you know, uh, profuse in his praise uh, for great. you and for the, the legal templates. So again, I'm not the one putting the templates on there. It's Jill, uh, the ones That's who great. are saying these are the things you want to use. So I, th- I thought that would uh, warm your heart uh, to use a, a, a phrase. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Fabulous. No, that was that was great. So and finally, how can RSP members connect with you and discuss their legal issues? You know, I think the easiest way is to send me an email at J Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, at Bodman, B-O-D-M-A-N-L-A-W.com. And that way I can send a note back and say, um, when would you like to meet? Or if they if they send the particular question an email, I can quickly respond. It's just a good way to keep track of um, each other and to set up a meeting because sometimes um, I think it's best to get on a Zoom call and just sort of walk through um, the issues. And so start with the email. You can of course call me um, at 734-930-2499. Um, but again, I think email is just the easiest way for us to quickly uh, get in sync and get on a call and uh, get to know one another and see if there's something I can do to be helpful. Great. So Jill, J. Miller at BodmanLaw.com. And if you're not an RSP member, just email membership at GoRSPA.org and we'll get you started down that path. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. Be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices of VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Jill Miller 
Miller for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSP Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSP is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. Thank you.